chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. We'll read this together. I'll read the first verse, you read the second verse, and we'll read the last verse together. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So Citrus sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now I'd like to invite Howard Key to lead us in today's worship service. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you notice, there's a lot of youth here today because I told them they had to come to support me. All right, good morning. Are you guys excited to be here? It's really raining. Usually uh, attendance is down, but uh, today looks pretty good. You guys look like there's a lot of you here, so that's awesome. All right, so I don't usually preach. Uh, I preach once in a while uh, whenever uh, Pastor Hong leaves town or whatever. And so if you're not used to me, it's, uh, my style is a little bit different than most preachers. I, I like to tell stories and joke around a lot. Uh, so if you're offended, um, there's nothing I can say, really. You just, that's it. I mean, that's what you're going to get this morning. So, All right, so uh, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, he loves you. Now I want you to turn to the neighbor that you neglected, you sinners, just kidding, uh, and say, he loves you too. All right, we're talking this morning about how he loves. And when I say he, we're talking about Jesus. But first I wanted to start with somebody in my family, Ezekiel. Uh, he's my middle child, and you guys know how precocious middle ch children can be. One time I was in, when I was uh, doing my studies in, at Columbia International University, I had to go and get a study booth. Like you had to reserve it at the beginning of the semester. Yeah, I don't know if that's a normal thing in other universities, but I've only been there. So I go in the morning around 8 a.m. or whatever before the library opens, and we're just sitting there waiting, and there's a couple of other studious students that are waiting too. And there's this woman, a larger woman. She's sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and I thought it was really cool. Have you ever had that moment in your life, maybe once, where you just enjoyed being with your children? <laughs> Okay, that's offensive. All right, but like my kids, like my kids are crazy. I have five of them. So if I feel the mood to take one of them somewhere, it's like, it's like a miracle, right? So I'm like, oh, I want to take Ezekiel to get this study carol. They call it a study carol, the study booth. And so we're sitting there, and it's, there's a couple students. Everybody's kind of quiet waiting for the library to open. And Ezekiel, he's, a, he's younger. This is like a few years ago. He turns to the lady, and he says, are you pregnant? Oh, yeah. See how you're feeling right now? That little bit of uncomfortableness? Like that? I'm feeling that right now because <laughs> I remember it. Because this is the deal, right? You weren't there. I was there, and I was staring at this lady, and she was staring at me. And, you know, she smiled and was really gracious, right? And she says, what? Like she didn't hear. I don't know why she thought she should say what. And Ezekiel's like, you have a big belly. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Oh my, oh my gosh. 
I've made a terrible mistake. I've brought my son to this public place, and you'd never take your kids in public. And this lady is smiling and is gracious, and I, she says, what again? And I'm like, no! I, like, hey, is it, you know, trying to cut him off. Like, I will buy you anything in the world if you just do not open your mouth right now. You ever feel, and so, you know, we try to cut off the conversation. He's like, oh, it's fine. I have young, I, I've had young kids too. I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. And then we had to wait 15 more minutes for the library to open. And I'm just sitting there. Jesus, come now. <laughs> Your second coming right now is the perfect time to come back right now. Because at the same time, like, I didn't want to lose my grades. I wanted some place to study because I have five kids. And if I go to my house, like, my kids want to be with me. <laughs> they love me. It's good. Uh, but they want to be with me. I won't get any studying done. So I'm like, no, I have to hold on to this study, Carol. So I just sat there. <sighs> 15 minutes. It was long as 15 minutes of my life. But how many of you guys have ever felt like, You've said something that you shouldn't have said. Right? Oh, yeah, start, stories are starting to pop up in your head. Hey, remember that time? I did, remember that? Or maybe you've never told anyone before. There was this one time I was on a uh, youth mission trip, not with, with these. Uh, this was before uh, AKMC. And uh, there was this uh, boy, I thought. And I was like, hey, bro, do you want to, you know, join us? Like we were playing a game or something. He's like, well, she. I'm a, I'm a girl. And everyone, I don't know why, there was a huge room filled with like 50, 60 kids, people. They all stopped and they turned around and looked at me. And I looked at them, I'm like, oh boy. You have these moments where you say the things that you do not mean to say. And you do not know they're a mistake until afterward. Now, we have a very, very, very different situation with Mary and Martha. Correct? Mary and Martha have this one moment where they absolutely need to say what they need to say. Lazarus, their brother, is on, their, on his deathbed. They know it. They're like, he's going to die. And if in that time frame back in the day, like people just died all the time. It was just the way it is. They didn't have the medicine, penicillin. People died from dysentery, things like that, Right? So it was not uncommon. They were not thinking, oh, maybe he'll live, you know, because sometimes we're just like, ah, oh, I'm just going to ignore it. Because our medical, our medicine is, you know, so effective that we can just, like, be, be dying of a disease, and then we're like, oh, I guess I'll go to the hospital. You get to the hospital, and they give you medicine, and you feel better. But in this case, Lazarus, they are sure, is going to die. And Mary and Martha have this one opportunity to make their meaning clear. They sent for Jesus. This is what the Scripture says. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, meaning sent a runner, sent a letter, sent a note, right? Saying what? If you, a loved one of yours, was on their deathbed, and you know that Jesus was around. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus was uh, uh, about six miles away, right? Now, that doesn't seem like anything to us, but even back then, right? In the ancient Near East, six miles was not that far. They could travel that. They would walk, right? Six miles, it was not that far because, you know, they're just used to walking. For us, we're like, six miles to walk? Oh, my gosh, I'd never do that. But back then, that was their mode of transportation. They sent a note to Jesus saying, what? What would you put in that note? If it was my, if it was my wife, right, I'd be like, Lord, my wife is the most godly woman I've ever met in my life. She loves you more than anyone I've ever met in my life. 
She's amazing. She's a mother. The kids love her. They need her. Right? You would make this lineup of all of these things why God should make her, let her live. Am I right? You would put a resume of sorts. Have you guys ever heard the lifeboat illustration? Let's say you were on the Titanic, and the Titanic was sinking, and everyone jumps on the lifeboat, but the problem is there's only a certain amount of lifeboats deployed, and there's too many people in the water, and people are climbing the lifeboats, but the lifeboat's about to collapse. It's about to sink. What do you do? The illustration goes where they all kind of talk in, the, in a circle like, okay, why should you stay here? Why do you deserve to stay in the lifeboat? Otherwise, they'll kick you out. They'll just throw you out into the water so that the lifeboat doesn't capsize. In that case, I would be like, okay, my wife, this is why she should say, this is why she's worth it, this, 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 let me tell you all this, I'd make this incredible resume, so God would be like, oh, yeah, why are, you know, we really need Raylan on earth. But this is not what Mary and Martha did. This is staggering, and this, I think, speaks to our experience as Christians. We need to understand this truth. They say, Lord, this is good, He's talking, they're talking to Jesus, right, God? Behold, that means please pay attention, focus, hear me, Lord. He whom you love, him who you love is sick. They didn't give a list of all the good things Lazarus did because he did. Jesus loved Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, probably more than any other family on earth, his physical family uh, aside, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were the ones that he spent the most time with. He loved them. And Mary and Martha chose to identify Lazarus' credentials, not according to Lazarus, but according to Jesus. Jesus' love for Lazarus. Isn't that amazing? That's, not, that's like counterintuitive. I wouldn't do that. I would make this huge list of why my wife is worth it. But then instead I say, Jesus the one whom you love, Ray Lynn, is sick. Please heal her. Please come. Please come to the rescue. And this is the beautiful thing. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And it gets even more beautiful. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved them. Now, okay, in earthly terms, if you were to ask me, okay, what happened in the story? Well, Lazarus dies. You're like, well, how can that be wonderful? Because that's not the permanent condition, you see? The story doesn't end with Lazarus' death. Lazarus is raised from the dead, not only, right, just for Lazarus, Martha, and Mary's sake, but for the glory of who? How many of you guys know that you will deal with crisis in your life? You will deal with tragedy. You will have hard times. When I preach to the youth, sometimes I preach about, like, really difficult things, and some of them are just like their eyes glaze over because they never really experienced really hard things yet. And that's a beautiful thing. I don't disdain that. I think it's a wonderful thing that they're still innocent. But then when I preach here, everyone's like, yeah, I, I lost a loved one. Yeah, I had this happen. Oh, I had to battle cancer, and I barely made it alive. Oh, I, I lost my son. He, he died. Or... My, my children walked away from the Lord. We've all experienced tragedy. But this is the beautiful part about Lazarus. The story doesn't end with his death. Jesus comes. He uses his tragedy to bring glory to God. So not only does he redeem it, he brings glory to God with it. Isn't that incredible? It brings you hope. Now when I think about my resume or my wife's resume or whatever I would try to say to somebody to say why I'm worth it. Jesus, why, why you should do things for me. I, I realize that I'm beginning to obsess 
over all of my deeds. Do you guys ever feel that way? Well, I, I'm a good person. Have you ever asked anybody, like, do you think you're, you, if you die tonight, you know, that, that age-old question, if you die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? A lot of people would start to list off their good deeds. Right? We, we obsess why we think God should accept us. And we start to think that that's who we are. How can I serve God more? But I would say that Martha and Mary hit the nail on the head. That the closer you draw to the Lord, the more you realize that all those are, are lies. Really, your good deeds, how good are they? Everything that we've done, everything that God has blessed us with has been because of the Lord. The closer you draw to the Lord, your theme changes from about your deeds, and it starts to say, it start, the theme of your life starts to be, oh, how he loves me. Amen? Oh, how he loves me. I think that every Sunday when I get up here, a lot of you think, oh, because I have the microphone and I'm preaching or I'm leading worship, that my life is perfect. I struggle every single day. If you, actually, don't ask my kids because they'll tell you too much. But, like, if you talk to my kids or my wife, they would be like, oh, yeah, Howard's a normal person. He's a normal person. This is, you know, part of what I do, right? But it doesn't make me holier than anybody else. I still need Jesus Christ to come and change my life. I need the Holy Spirit to dwell in me, to guide me, to cleanse me. It doesn't matter if I'm up here. And every Sunday I get up here and I get to sing praises, I think, oh, how you love me, Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Do you guys know John 3.16? A lot of people know, like, the reference. This is one of those cases that people know the reference of a verse, but they don't know the verse so much, right? Because all the football players have it on their, you know, their, I don't know what that is, that dark spot on their, right? Tim Tebow, right? They're like, oh, I should look that up one day. But I'm sure you guys know it, so let, let's, let's start. For what, what, is, what is John 3.16? For God. All right, let's stop right there. That's good right there. For God. What is this about? It wasn't a trick question. <laughs> People are like, is it about? Uh... <laughs> it's about God. For God. What? Loved what? And I love this. It doesn't just say loved. It says God so loved. You ever so love anything? And I don't mean like football. I mean, that's, I mean, you're sure you can love football. Or your Michael Kors purse or your Mercedes-Benz if you have one. I don't have one. I have five kids. Have you ever so loved something? I ha I've had experience with so loved just this morning. Ella, my daughter, that's my oldest daughter up there singing that solo. She could have like messed up and it would have been miserable. I'd just be like, yes, Lord. I just feel the Holy Spirit right now. It's so beautiful. It was that so love. I'm so in love with my daughter. And I thought, man, she is radiant. And then I start to look around for young boys looking at her. I'm like, I will break you. Right? I mean, I love Jesus, but I will break you and then ask for forgiveness. You see what I'm saying? Because Jesus forgives. But I have this so love experience with my son. My oldest son is six, uh, 15. Sorry, I don't want to make him older. Thursday was his birthday, and I have a group of guys that I spend a lot of time with. They hold me accountable. They don't come to this church because, I don't know, if, if, if you work in a church, like if you serve in a church, you preach in a church, people oftentimes get impressed with you for no reason, right? You start to think, oh, well, Howard's really holy. My youth don't think that. I wish they did. A little bit more respect would be helpful, fellas. But these, my, my guy friends, they don't go to my church. They hold me accountable. They're not impressed with what I do. They just want to know how... God is working in my life, and to help that along. They hold me accountable. They call me out when there's sin, right? And we have a lot of fun. 
Well, my oldest son, we told him when he started to turn 14, 15 that age, he would uh, start to be able to come to guys' night. We call it guys' night. It's every Thursday night, and it happened to be on his birthday. Call guys up, and they're like, yeah, bring him, bring him. So we take a boat, and we go to this uninhabited island. It's been raining for three days, but the rain stops because the Holy Spirit loves Josiah. And then my son starts to, to, to try to start a fire, and this is impossible, but the Holy Spirit anoints that fire, and it lights up. And we have this huge bonfire, and the sun is going down, and it is absolutely it's kind of beautiful. It's like rainy and cloudy, but we're on an uninhabited island. How awesome is that? So, and there's this huge bonfire, and we're sitting around talking, and we're eating cake, right? Because that's what men do. We eat cake. And we decide we're going to spend some time affirming the man that God has made Josiah. And each of us men, we go around. There's five of us. Each of us go around and start talking about what God, what we see God doing in Josiah's life. And, of course, I'm last because he's my son. And I talked to my son. I said, son, there is no way that when you were born that I was confident that I would be a great father. I did not have a good father. I do not have a good relationship with my father. We have an okay relationship now. But growing up, I had so much conflict. My parents divorced when I was young. Troubled childhood, whatever. I looked at my son when I was holding him when he was first born. He was all red and hairy, right? And I, I looked at him, and I was terrified. Any parents feel that way when their kids were born? You guys might still be terrified. Maybe your kids are teenagers. You're like, I have no idea what to do. <laughs> Jesus, come now, right? You're holding this baby. I'm holding this baby, and I'm like terrified out of my mind because I am afraid that I will be the same father that my father was to me. You ever feel that way? Mothers, you might feel a little bit different, but men, I want my son to be everything that I'm not and far more. And I told my son that night around that fire, I said, son, the Lord has been faithful to me. And my testimony is God has given me beauty for ashes. He says, Howard, give me your ashes. My whole childhood was ashes. He says, Howard, give that to me. And, I, and, and when I came to know the Lord, I started giving him all my garbage. Like, Lord, why do you want my garbage? I started giving him all my garbage, my hurts, my sorrows, my insecurities, my fears. He started taking it. And then he started to give me back little things. I was afraid I was going to get divorced because my parents were divorced. And then he gives me my wife. She's far more godly than I am, so she keeps me in line, right? And then, you know, me and my little sister, my sister is mentally handicapped. And I was terrified that my kids would be. And then my, the government took my little sister away because my, uh, my stepmother was abusing my little sister. And I was terrified. I'm like, and I ran away when I was 16. I ran away from home when I was 16, and I was terrified. That, uh, that my family would be like that. And then God gives me five perfect, uh, not perfect, healthy, <laughs> too healthy, too healthy children. It's like God's giving you beauty for ashes. My whole childhood was screwed up and messed up, and I was, I was hurting people and fighting and doing drugs, and, and all of a sudden now I'm helping youth and college students guide their life towards Christ. See how that God's traded me beauty for ashes? And I was telling my son, I said, God has been faithful to your father. And I see now that you're 15 years old, that God has been faithful to you. And I said, when you doubt, when you struggle, look to your father's relationship with the Lord and how faithful God has been to him and know that God will be faithful to you even more. That moment, the guys were all crying. We're all manly men, right? We work out, we kill animals and eat them, right? And we're all crying, right? My son wasn't crying because he's, he's a man, right? We're all crying and weeping, right? He was crying. Just, sorry, son. 
right? It was this so loved. And it wasn't because of anything that my son did. Do you see that? It wasn't about his behavior that I so loved him. I just so love him. We have great, great, great examples of that in Scripture. Do you guys know the prodigal son? Everybody's talked about the prodigal son, right? The son takes the father's inheritance, his inheritance to his father. He goes and squanders it on prostitutes, drunkardly acts. Uh, okay, getting drunk, right? Just doing bad stuff, and he runs out of all this money. He's in poverty. He's sitting with pigs, and he's Jewish. You don't sit with pigs if you're Jewish. And he's looking at the pig's food and saying, hey, that looks pretty good. Oh, wait, what am I doing? I need to go back to my father and just be a worker. He's getting his resume together, his idea, his speech. He's going to go talk to his dad and say, hey, you know, I don't deserve to be your son anymore. He comes down the road. His father sees him. He hikes up his robe and starts running. Old man starts running down the road. He grabs the son. And the son's like, hey, God, I mean, hey, dad, 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 hold on. Hold on. Let me tell you why. Okay, I, I, I sinned against you. I sinned against God. I'm really, really, really sorry. I don't deserve to be your son. And he's like, what? Ever. He's not even listening. The father's ripping. Hey, get a new robe. Get a ring on here. Get new shoes. Hey, let's kill the cow so we can have a big party tonight. Call the DJ. We're going to dance because my son is alive. This is God's love for us. So loved. And how many of us in our faith, we sin and we wake up the next morning, we're like, oh, no. And you had said like a week before, oh, I'm not going to do that ever again. Ever again. I'm never going to sin again. And you were stupid enough to tell all your friends, like, oh, I ain't doing that. I used to struggle with that, but I'm not doing that anymore. And guess what? That night or that weekend, you did that, and you did even more. And you wake up, and you're like, oh, no. What have I done? And then God comes walking up, and you're just like, oh, God, you got to leave me alone. And God's like, why? Think about the prodigal son. Why? Why would we want to leave God alone? What does God do? He just starts to hug us. You're like, listen, God, I'm just like, I'm really like, I'm really sorry. I'm really bad. Can you, can you just stop hugging me? I'm just going to get my life together. God, just let go of me. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. And God's like, I love you. 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 You thought that God was angry at you, wanted to cut you off, wanted to beat you down. But that's not how God wanted to do at all. Do you realize? Peter realized this when Jesus came to him and when he first meets Peter, right? And they're fishing. And Jesus says, you know, cast your net over there. And he pulls this huge net of fish, like obviously far more than Peter's ever caught. And what does Peter do? Peter kind of freaks out a little bit. I'll read the passage to you. Peter kind of freaks out a little bit. And he says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. What do you think it's all about us? No, no, Jesus, you need to stay away because I, I'm having trouble holding up this, my part of the bargain, my part of the relationship. I'm holding up. I, I'm, I just can't do it. I'm, I keep failing. But I'll get it right, God. I'll get it right. Growing up my whole life, I got saved every year from 13 to 18. Why? Because every revival I went to, somebody said, hey, do you want to become a Christian? I'm like, yes, I want to be a Christian. The next day I was in sin. And I was like, oh, I just didn't get my life together. I thought it was all about me, all the credentials, my resume. Oh, God, you're going to love me because I'm a good Christian. Why did Jesus die on the cross then if we could get it all together? Jesus died on the cross because we can't hold up our bargain with God. We can't keep our relationship with God. The 
That's why Jesus is there in the first place. So we sit all day long bemoaning our sin and how much we fail and how much we let God down. Why? Because we are insecure people. Let's think about relationships. What's, what's, what's a relationship for insecure people? I'll love you if you love me. Right? That's what we do. But as soon as they stop loving you, you're like, I don't need you. Shh. I'll go find somebody else. <laughs> you know? That's what, that's what we think our humanly love is. You love me, I'll love you. And that's how we're going to keep it. It's going to be a bargain. But with God, it's not I'll love you, you love me. God's like, I love you, I love you, I love you. I fail, I fail, I fail. I love you, I love you, I love you. End of story. It changes everything. So for some of you guys, I know that some of you guys love, love rules. It's okay. You just like you know, follow all the rules, and it, it's good. You drive 45 miles an hour in a 45-mile zone. I get it. That's fine. So you're like, Howard, but what about, what about sin? Isn't sin bad? Yeah, absolutely sin's bad. Why, why is sin bad? Because it removes us emotionally away from the Lord. Jesus had to die on the cross because of sin. That is serious. But what does it glorify God more? What glorifies God more? Us attempting to muscle down and become perfect on our own, which is impossible, by the way, or to lean into Jesus how he intended for us to be. What brings more glory to God? If your faith is built around your credentials, you better go talk to Jesus. Lay it down. Lay it down. And I love this passage. This is 1 John 4.10. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Let me say that again. This is so good, right? This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Yeah? This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. I used to think when I was, uh, actually just even my whole life as a, as a Christian, I used to think every time I sinned, I would go before God and I would just kind of feel like God was mad at me because my dad was always mad at me. Right? And I thought that God sounded amazingly like my dad. And I would just sit there and it would paralyze me because I was just like, yeah, I know. There's nothing I can do because in my heart of hearts I know who I am. I'm like Peter. I am not a good man. But the more I started to reflect on God's love and just knowing from Scripture, not from my own imagination or my own experience with my own dad, I started to look at the scripture and let the word of God speak to me on who God is and what his character is like and he's towards me. It started to shift my heart. And I started to hear that condemn, uh, condemning voice. Whenever I would sin, I would hear this condemning voice. It started to sound more like Satan. And I could see through the lies. I could see past and I see God's expression on his face. I so love you, Howard. And I'm not just talking about me. You know that God loves bad people? Isn't that amazing? He loves evil people. I was talking to a heroin addict the other day. And he was a Christian. He, he was a Christian. He's like, Howard, I, I think I lost my salvation. I'm like, why? I've seen God move in your life. Well, I'm a heroin addict. I think you think your, your heroin addiction is stronger than Jesus? We all have addictions. We all have sins. We think it's overpowering us. And some of you guys might be thinking, well, I don't know how a heroin addict can be saved. But if, if a heroin addict can be saved, which I totally believe, 
Isn't God big enough to save you? Can't God love you? And so this week, as you reflect on your week, every morning, whenever you have quiet time, if you have quiet time, or just driving in your car and talk to God, I love to talk to car, love, talk to car. I love to talk to God in my car. Just say, hey, Lord, it's me, Howard, the one whom you love. I have a crow over here. I have no idea why. Peter denied Jesus three times. And then a cockroach. <laughs> oh, there he goes again. <laughs> wow, that's the great alarm clock, man. Back to what we were saying. Reflect. Reflect on the Lord. Have the audacity to put your name in there. Hey, this is Howard, who you, who you love. Hey, this is so-and-so, who you love. This is, and John used to call himself uh, the, his beloved, Jesus' beloved, the one that Jesus loved. Do that. Have the, have the audacity, have the guts to do that. And watch your faith begin to change. All of a sudden, your sin isn't about you trying to prove yourself to God. All of a sudden, you try to live for Christ because you absolutely are loving him. Amen? Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for you being so much wiser and greater than we are. And that all these systems that the world has conjured up in, in religious, uh, uh, religious ideas or ways to overcome sin or, or whatnot, instead, God, you, you short-circuited all of that stuff. You knew that there was no way in this universe that we could come before you on our own. And so you stepped in and you made a way. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the love like that. I thank you that you just don't feel love. You are love. You are the personification of love. And that you prove that to us. And you prove that to us every single day, Lord. Lord, we ask you for your spirit's power to be on us, Lord. To know that we are loved. That we might walk in truth. And it might affect every aspect of our life. Every corner. And that sin would no longer have a grip on us. And we would truly be set free, not just in word but in life. And you this morning, we just thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
biggest church. Yeah, he loves us. Yeah, he loves us. saying the Lord's Prayer together, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Have a wonderful week.